And welcome to Reim Ahuvim. Wow, that was a beautiful song. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me today on jrootradio.com. What a week. We're like, I think we're past the graduations right now. Yeah, I think we're past the graduations. And now we're going into that neutral week, that Bena Shmoshos week. Before the kids go to camp, before we go up to the bungalow colonies, everybody's home. There's so much going on. Actually, if it hasn't happened yet, it depends when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this live on June 23rd, 2016, then it's almost about to happen because school is almost over for those of you who have children. And for those of you who are listening to this on Monday, if you're listening to this on Monday, then you already are in that zone, in that in-between, I like calling it the Bein show zone. Nishtahi, nishtaher, not here, not there. Like sort of in the middle, everyone's home for those of you who have children. And it's just like a little bit difficult sort of. You know, everybody's home is a beautiful thing, but it can also be a challenging thing because if you have children, you know what I'm talking about. There could be a lot of fighting going on between the siblings and the brothers and the sisters, and they fight, and ma, it's not fair, and ma, I'm bored. What am I supposed to do? Like, come on, ma, what are we going to do? You know, my friend Maishi went to, to Coney Island. My friend uh, Shifra is going out. So like, whoa, what do we do? What do we do? Okay, let me just tell you the most important thing. The most important thing, ladies and gentlemen, is as parents, let's not lose it. Our children are looking at us for their emotional guidance. If we lose it emotionally, it, I am telling you, and I'm so happy you're listening to me, to me today at 11.11.05 or whenever you're listening to me, maybe on Monday night, and that is, I'm telling you, it could chas v'shalom damage their emotional development. When Every time you lose it, every time you lose it, every time your child sees that you're losing it. I don't care if the child's five years old, and I don't care if the child's 25 years old. If he sees that his parents are losing it, losing control, that's what I'm talking about, blowing a gasket, and just like, you know, screaming or, or, or talking sharply or attacking and belittling, I can't take this anymore, and who do you think you are? Generally, it comes with a, with a barrage of like bullets. When that happens, I'm telling you, it affects the kid's negatively unquestionably you want after the show no problem call me i'll show you study after study i'm telling you right now it affects your children negatively so what i'm telling you today is be very very careful now that we're about to approach this benash mushroom zone when everybody's home there's a lot of stress of course there's stress you're not going to tell me there's no stress i know there's stress stress of going away you know vacations by the way vacations camps bungalow colonies such a beautiful thing. Okay, we go away and the kids go away and they get to escape a little bit and vacation and meet new people. But getting there is a lot of lachats. Packing, shopping, uh, the buses, uh, being there on time to the bus and dropping off the duffel bags. And do I have to tell you? I'm, I'm sorry to remind you of this, but if it hasn't happened to you yet, at least be ready. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you have the heads up, that's half the battle. Now that you know it's going to happen, so instead of getting all stressed, what I say is relax yourself with using some real techniques, some real empirically proven techniques. You know, it was funny. I was still giving that workshop, Baruch Hashem. And we're talking to the ladies. We had the ladies session last week. I said to them, you know, breathing exercises can actually help. And there's one woman was like, yeah, that's true. It really does. She actually started. It's like really, really good. Come on, you know, a lot of you are listening to me like, Rabbi Greenfield, breathing exercises? Come on, are you serious? Why do you want to start breathing? I breathe already. Like, what do you want? I'm telling you, stop, you know, stop like making late sunnis over these things which can actually help you. I, I Honestly, I know this is going to sound weird. I used to make fun of it originally. I just say breathing, okay, you're going to breathe. Breathe deeply, it's going to help. Okay. But then once you learn it and you realize and you see that it's empirically proven, yes, five-second breathing exercises. Breathe in. Breathe out slowly, hold your stomach, feel it going out, going in. I can almost promise you, your stress level is going to lower itself. So when your kid comes home last second, he's about to go to Kansas. Oh, Ma, but I forgot a canteen. What do I do? And you're like, when you go into the other room and just breathe slowly, five in, five out, and you're going to see it'll take you at least to a level down where you're not going to explode. I'm not saying chas v'shalom, you're exploding. But what I am saying is sometimes you feel like you just, you can't, like... 
Everything is last second with this kid. Everything is last second. Nothing is organized. Nothing is prepared. Nothing, nothing, nothing can make you crazy. So I'm telling you, there are stress-relieving stress exercises. One of them happens to be a breathing exercise. It's such a simple way. Just going through the room and just, okay, okay. I just And a mantra. Mantra means talk to yourself. Okay, I got to take it easy. And you know what? You should really say, Hashem. Hashem, please help me. Hashem, I know you're just, you're just giving me an assignment. I'm going to pass. Hashem, I love you. Hashem, this is a test. I know this is a test. And I know, Hashem, you're going to help me. And there you have like an opportunity to connect to Hashem. You know, I, I want to talk to you today about a bunch of things. And also, maybe at the end of today, we'll take some questions. Uh, as of yet, I do not take questions on the phone. So right now, I feel like, you know, confidentiality issues with Hulu. Maybe we'll speak to some people. They'll tell me, don't worry about it. I don't know. In any case, the questions I will take over text. So if you have questions you want to ask at the end of today's show, you can start texting right now even. Um, but you want to hear the show. Okay, fine. So maybe we'll put some music later on if I have time. And the text number here at the, at the studio is 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. Let's start also with Akar Satov over here. Rav Nisim Riveran, who works so hard here to make sure that everything flows so beautifully. Also, we have this beautiful new board here, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem, and everything sounds so much nicer and better and crisper and clearer. Maj, a lot of people work hard here to make sure that everything works kahagen and, and that you, the audience, wherever you are, whether you are in your car, in your house, or wherever you are, you enjoy, and that's a matter of getting entertained, and you are inspired. Inspired to connect to Baruch Hu, inspired to connect to your spouse. That's what we're talking about today. Now, like this. A lot of... Okay, I, I, okay, I even have to start with this because I was talking to someone the other day about marriage. We were back and forth. We were talking about the science of it and whatever. You know, you go to school, you learn all the, all the, all the therapeutical models and in integrating which models you integrate, etc. I know I speak about this a lot. And that is that if you... I, I, okay, I truly believe what I'm about to say right now. I know a lot of you are going to have a lot of kashas and shilas and steeris. But I'm telling you, if you do not have, or let me, let, me actually, let me actually blend in a different way. In order to have a really successful marriage, in order to have a successful, connecting, dvekis, wonderful, harmonious marriage, I feel that you must, you must, 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 must implement Torah concepts into your marriage. And when I say Torah concepts, I'm talking about I'm talking about Kaddish Baruch I'm talking, if you do not have that in your marriage, I, I honestly, I don't, even, I don't even see how it's like they say Shaykh for you to have an, a, a great marriage. I, I don't see how it's Shaykh. Now you're going to tell me, what do you mean? There's a lot of people there who don't believe in Kaddish Baruch I don't know. Uh, people who are not, who are not Yidin and they, they have marriages, they seem to have good marriages. Well, first of all, you, have you been like checking what's going on lately? Like, first of all, how many people are actually married out there in today's day and world? Okay, people aren't even married, number one. Number two, the divorce rate right now in, in, in the world is above 50%. Do you think that that other 50%, I don't think even think it's 50%, I think it's 45% who are remain married, long married, do you think they all have these wonderful marriages? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put my, you know, my bottom dollar on it. I, I, I'm really not. I actually spoke to someone the other day. She says to me, "Can you imagine? I'm married for like, I say, 45 years. 45 years." He says to me, "So someone off the street. There's someone I met, whatever, in a, in a certain setting. And can you imagine? I'm still with my wife." He says, "I'm still with my wife." And I never got involved in any other relationship. Isn't that amazing? And I'm like looking at him like, yeah, I guess, I guess it is amazing. You know, for us, it's like, what do you mean that's amazing? Like, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? The, the point that I'm trying to bring over here, ladies and gentlemen, is that you must integrate Torah principles in your marriage. Because what's going to happen, and those of you who are married and are listening to me know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who are unmarried will see what I'm talking about. Is that your spouse will challenge you. Your spouse will undoubtedly challenge you. They're going to say things that are going to hurt your feelings. They're going to do things that are going to shock you. They are going to 
<clears throat> they're going to challenge you with what they say, with what they do, with the way they, they treat, treat the children, with the way they connect to Hashem. All sorts of ways on a daily basis. <clears throat> yeah, on a daily basis. And you know what? If you're plugged into a spiritual world, if you realize there's an HaKadosh Baruch Hu who runs the world, instead of getting all upset, instead of losing your gasket, instead of like, I can't believe this husband of mine. What an animal. I can't believe it. can't believe my wife. She makes me crazy. I do everything she asks and then she's still unhappy. I can never make this woman happy. Then we start realizing, you know, this is a test. Like I say, this is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. What's the test? The test is for us to work on our midos. In us to, for us to become shalemim, for us to become whole. Every time your wife annoys you and you let go, you're becoming a shalem. Every time your husband annoys you and you let go, you're becoming a shalem. But I want to tell you something. Somebody, some, Baruch Hashem, thank you all for your feedback. I really appreciate it. It's hard to hear, you know, you was talking to the four walls. But Baruch Hashem, I know we have a nice audience out there. Baruch Hashem. Someone called, called me, actually, and he thanked me, and I appreciated his his Akarsatov, I said, thank you, it inspires me. And then he says to me something, he says he's a little bit involved in, in working with Hassanim and with Kalas, and you know, he gives him advice, and he said a very nice shtickle. He said, he said, I feel that what's the most pivotal, one of the most pivotal pieces of a, of a marriage is to know when not to talk, when not to say anything, just to keep silent, to know to keep silent, just to keep silent. So if your wife annoys you, your husband annoys you, they say something that is either just, you know, uh, we'll talk about it soon, actually. We're going to give you a couple examples soon. And you just have to know. Just keep quiet. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just, just hold it to yourself. Don't say anything. Don't. He says to me, you know, I feel, and I think he got it actually from somewhere, that you, you know where you can get, this is really for the men, you know where you can get a really big schus that it will be easier for you to keep quiet when your wife says something that really annoys you or your wife says something that like, you know, gets under your skin, it's keeping quiet during davening. I thought that was so beautiful because the truth of the matter is we need schusim. You see, you don't think to yourself, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to the show either on Thursday or on Monday night, that you're just going to listen to Rabbi Greenfield every Thursday or Monday night and you're going to have this great marriage. It's not going to work like that. And the reason it's not going to work like that is because you need siyata deshmaya. You really do. You really, really do. You need a Kaddish Baruch Hu to help you, to, to, to not just guide you, but to help you have shalom bayas. You need it. I'm, t- I'm telling you from experience working with many couples, Baruch Hashem. You need the, you need the Shekhinah. That's what we say, Sim Shalom. We say Shalom so many times during davening. It's all about asking a Kaddish Baruch Hu for Shalom, which is Hashem's name. So, we need a Kaddish Baruch Hu to help us in our Shalom bias. If you want a schus, a really great schus, in order, to, in order to make it easier for you to keep quiet when your spouse says something and you just want to like hit them back and like, whoa, becomes a whole fight, I'm telling you, the, a really nice schus, and it's not my vote. Um, this was said, oh boy, I don't know if you want me to mention his name on the air. Well, I could tell you, he was a great-great-grandson of a very, very famous author. Very, very famous author. And I will tell you, what he said to me is, you know, you could t- I think this is a great idea, and I want to share with everybody, that what? Keeping quiet during davening. Somebody comes over to you during davening, tells you, oh, Mosh, what's going on? You want to tell? Shh, I'm sorry, I, I want to talk to you, but... Or have one of those cards. Like, don't talk during davening. We don't talk during davening. That makes it easy, because mitzvah goes mitzvah, and one schus will lead to another schus. I heard this really fascinating story this morning from actually one of my relatives um, who was a big Talmud Chacham. He said to me this thing. He said to me, he said to me that he heard this story about, and it's an older story, that, that somebody came over to Rav Nassim uh, of Breslov. It's an interesting story. I'm not, I'm not as, you know. Again, I know we have all sorts of people who listen to the show. And uh, what I'd like to say is I'm so happy that people call me with feedback, Hasidim, Litvish, Sfardi, and we garner and we garner Torah from everyone, everyone, with Achdos. He told me this beautiful thing that somebody came over to Rav Nassim once and said to him, you know, why are you so into this Imuna business? Like, why are you so, like, hung up with having him? I can have a great life with ha- without believing in Hashem, he said. Well, like, ah, 
So Nassim says to him, really, what? why are you saying that? He says, well, I just came back from the marketplace. You know how much money I made? I made tons of money. I just made, I just made myself, let's say, I don't know, you know, in terms of dollars, I made myself $100,000. I shouldn't be happy. I'm very happy with that Hashem, the guy says to Rav Nassim. He says, really, it's so interesting. But I'm telling you right now that your happiness could be squashed in a second. In a complete second, your happiness could be squashed without a money. He says, what are you talking about? He says to him, you know what? You're going to go back home now. Did you buy a present for your wife? The guy says, actually, my wife asked me. She said to me, if you're going to make some money, you're not going to be home for a while. I'd like for you to buy me something. She told me what to buy, and I bought it for her. Okay. Well, what happens if you go back home and something happens with what you bought for her? You get into a fight with your wife, and she won't. he's like, don't worry about it. My wife will just be happy I made money. She thinks she's into these presents. She doesn't care about it. Anyways, the guy leaves Rav Nuss, and he goes back home. He gives his wife this ring that she wanted. She takes a look at this ring and she sees that it's that, and he hasn't been home for who knows how long. She's, it's the exact opposite of what he, she asked him for. She asked him for a certain gem. He got her a, something which was small or this or that. They get into this tremendous fight and this guy completely, his mood goes from up there to down there, like in a second, momentarily. He goes back to Rav Nassim, He says, Rav Nassim, you know something? You're 100% right. He says, you're right. I just, says, but what does Imuna have to do with anything? I'm really upset with Zemunah. He says, the difference is, if you have a Muna in Hashem, you realize that this whole thing was an Esayon. It was just a test to see if you could conquer your Midos. And if you can, then this whole big fight that you didn't let it get out of control and you just apologize or whatever you did, you've overcome Yetzirah. And now, instead of fighting and thinking like, oh, wow, terrible day, you think, not only did I have a great day in the marketplace, I came home to my wife. She wanted to fight with me. I don't let her. I just agreed right away. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You have, can you imagine? There you go. And it's true. The reason I'm saying it's true is because we're faced with challenges with our wives, with our husbands. And it's like, oh boy, are you serious? Like, are you really going to do that again? Like, I had this situation like, call Husband says, wife says to her husband, listen, do me a favor, go to the cleaners and this and that. So the guy, those of you who live in Brooklyn know, could relate to what I'm about to say, parking is on, <laughs> nothing to say about parking. No, there's no parking. There's no parking. And to find a parking, you know, wherever it is, Avenue J, Avenue M, 13th Avenue, it's like impossible. It, people are like, people become tigers when it comes to parking. So this guy's looking for parking to pick up his wife's dress in the cleaners. And he finally gets there and he comes to the cleaners Comes to the cleaners. He comes in there with the, with the slip. He had the slip. And he gives it to the lady. He says, can I have my wife's dress? She's like, looks inside the computer. She says, oh, someone picked, someone picked it up. Yeah, the lady came here. And she describes the guy's wife. And he's like, I can't believe it. My wife. I can't believe my wife. Here she, here she goes. She's making me crazy about going to pick up the cleaners. Meanwhile, she goes and she picks it up herself. The least she could have done is called me and told me she got it herself. You know how long it took me to do for parking? But you know what this guy did? I have to say this, and people do this. Instead of like going by his autopilot, calling his wife right away, and saying to his wife, uh, can I ask you a silly question? Why didn't you at least call me and tell me you picked up your dress? Like, seriously. Like, I've been looking for parking for the past 10 minutes. Like, you, like do you know I'm middle of work? Like, what are you doing to me? He didn't do that. He really didn't do that. Instead, he did. He did the following, which is, which is tools we speak about all the time. What he did, he said, you know what? I'm not going to call my wife right now. I'm upset. And I'm going to talk to her, but not now. I'm going to give myself the half an hour, whatever time that he gave himself. After that... His, psycho- his, his neurons, his transmitters, his blood pressure, his heartbeat went down. And then he said, you know what? I'm just going to be my vater. So what is he? Is he a loser? Is that what he is? A loser. Because this guy went and, and circled the blocks for 10 minutes, couldn't find a spot, almost got a ticket, went to the cleaners. And you know what? He, his wife already picked up the cleaners. So he's a loser, right? Well, you know what? Without the Torah, you can look at it like, oh, wow, what a loser. But if you have the Torah in your life, then you say, he's not a loser. He's a tzaddik. He's a tzaddik what he is. So he took the opportunity and completely did a 180 on it. And what he did was he conquered his Yetzirah. And now he could walk around the rest of the day feeling like, wow, wow, Hashem, I love you. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. I was Mavatra for my wife. So he, he listening to this show and you're thinking, 
What are you thinking? Your husband doesn't give you this opportunity to be mavater? Your wife doesn't give you the opportunity to be mavater? Are, are you blowing gaskets? Are you losing control? Are you screaming in front of the children at your wives, at your husbands? You know what? Besides, besides inhibiting their development, what you're doing is you are creating a situation for yourself where you're just getting more frustrated. It doesn't help you. You're getting more frustrated. You took an, a wonderful opportunity to be mavater and you weren't mavater. Yes, 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 I know. Some of you are still thinking now. You're like, oh, I'm beginning to feel, but isn't this true? Sometimes you have to negotiate. Yes, that's true. Sometimes you do have to negotiate, but far and few in between. Do you hear what I'm saying now? Far and few in between. If you find yourself constantly working things out with your husband, when I say working things out, I'm talking about criticizing, telling him how what he did wasn't right, or husbands, telling your wives that they shouldn't have called you, shouldn't have made you crazy for the cleaners, for the this, for the that. How come the meal's not ready for Shabbos? How come the laundry's on the bed? How come your makeup is all over the place? You know, you're doing that. You're not being mavater. These are missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Uh, I think the lesson of Shlomo Melchizedek, what that means is that what? You have an opportunity, and you're just like, bye-bye opportunity. Bye, you're just gone. Well, you're going to have other opportunities also. So, you know what? Hold on and be ready for the opportunities. This week's Parsha Baha'aloscha. Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I want to I talk about this a little, a little bit. This is very important because it's just also, it's like the Parsha is basically talking to us. It's talking to us. What is a menorah? A menorah basically, right, you have the three... The, the, three, the three lights on the right, three lights on the left, they're both facing the middle. Rashi tells us that what? The menorah is facing the middle. So this is amazing, amazing tzaddik. His name is Rav Moshe David Vali. He was Talmud Muvuk of the Ramchal, I believe. He talks about this. What, what is R? What is light? People give different explanations. This R, he speaks, R is really connecting to Kaddish Baruch Hu. Connecting to Hashem, we have to be faced to Kaddish Baruch Hu, no matter where you are in your life, on what side, on the right side, the left side, the positive side, the negative side, whatever it is. He, he speaks about it. I, I, I'm not quoting what he's saying, but he speaks about the R. He speaks about the relationship, the connection has to be focused constantly towards who? Towards Hashem. Ladies and gentlemen, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do the same thing in our relationships with our spouse, to constantly be thinking about our spouse. Are you okay? Is everything all right? And we're going to talk soon about about reactions. We're going to talk soon about reactions. But I, I just want to tell you that the menorah is like the epitome of this. Because what, you think about the fire, it's a small little fire. What is a fire? It's extremely vulnerable, right? You know, they have birthday parties, make a wish, blow out the fire. There are, I heard that it's really not necessarily something that you should do, blowing out fire. It's brought down in Kabbalah. You shouldn't blow out fire. Again, I don't know. Someone wants to text me that they have a source for this. But I will tell you that a fire is very vulnerable. You can just blow it out. Small fire. If it's a big fire, oh boy. Oh boy, you can hear what's going on today in, in, in the coast with the fires. It's like uncontrollable fires. So a small little fire, the menorah, right? It could just be blown away. So if, if that... What we're saying is the R, which we're saying that uh, Rev Moshe Dov Valley explains is the R, the connection, that connection can be lost. The connection to Hashem could be lost in a second. It's like, whoa, well, what happened to Kodesh Baruch Hu? <sighs> Wow. Thank you for listening. I, I want to tell you something interesting. I was, I think it was after my workshop, I, 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 it was very, I didn't get to eat dinner. So I stopped to pick something up. And I'm, is this is a local restaurant, you know? And it was late at night. It was late at night because people stayed with questions and answers. And I don't live in the area. So what happens, I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick something up. And I'm, I walk into this, this restaurant. And I'm standing there waiting for my order. And what happens? What happens is, is that I, I'm just like standing waiting for the order. And I see people there eating, a bunch of kids. Let's call them kids. Teenagers. And they're eating. What are they eating? They're eating, um, you know, whatever. It's a Fleischica restaurant, whatever they're eating. And after, like, you see they're finishing eating, and one kid says to the other kid, Mom's like, from kids, I was shocked. I was shocked such a thing happens in our neighborhood. He says to the other kid, he says to him, Oh, you know what we should really do now? We should really bench. So the other kid looks at him, and he says to him, he says to him, Oh, you know, when my father tells me to bench, you know what I tell him? I tell him, Let's say Kedusha. And he starts singing Kedusha in a Sephardi tone. And they're both laughing. They're all, these kids are a bunch, you know, laughing. And they're like, <laughs> Bench. 
and they get up and they leave. I, I was really shocked. I was really, really shocked. And these were, it was, it was, okay, at least they were, oh, the bigger Chiddush, listen to this. The bigger Chiddush was that before they left, they took their trays and they dumped them all in the garbage. So they took their trays, they dumped them all in the garbage to make sure the table is clean, because of course we care about, we care about the, the, the restaurant, which was a beautiful thing. I'm not taking that away from them. It was a beautiful thing, the fact that they took the tray away and, and then they, uh, you know, to make, to make sure that the table is clean. And they leave without benching. And I'm like, okay, so you care about the restaurant owner, I guess, but you don't care about a Kaddish Bochu. And then I realized it has nothing to do with that. These are kids. These are kids. It's someone motivated them to clean the table for whatever reason it is. Someone, either in their family, their parents, maybe their teachers, motivated them that what? That this is what you do. You clean the table before you, before, after you eat. But whoever it was did a bad job motivating them to bench. They didn't bench. And that's really what it was their children. They really were children. You know, you blame them. I'm, I'm blaming anybody. Chas v'shalom. But it's like, wow, what just happened? Point in the matter I'm trying to bring out is what? Is that a relationship cannot exist without Torah, without realizing being mevatar, kashboch, give me a test. Hashem, just please, please make it easier for me. Hashem, I could do this. You need the Torah. And you know what? You know what? Let me tell you something. Sometimes you'll think to yourself, Rabbi Greenfield, I know you talk about compromise. I should compromise with my wife and I should, you know, I should be mevatar. And if I can't be mevatar, at least be compromised with her. And you think, I, I, I really can't. But, but I really, really can't because I know I should make my wife the priority, but I really can't spend time with her tonight because I really have something else very important to do. And I might, I might lose money or, or somebody else or this or that. I'm telling you, try your hardest to compromise. What do you mean I can't? But I'm gonna, you said you're going to spend time with your wife. You committed to that. And that's another issue, big, big issue, commitment. You've committed not to spend time. You've committed not to say certain things to your wife. You've committed not to blow a gasket. You've committed not to lose control. You've committed to do that. You know what? Just stick to your commitment. We spoke Arab Shavuos about commitment. That's Nasev and Ishma. What? Com you're committed to your marriage? Then stick with your commitment. Now, I'm talking to both, I'm talking both to men, to women, to myself. I'm talking that we have to stick with our commitment through thick or through thin. These divorces that are happening out there, I'm telling you firsthand, it's because of a lack of commitment. You know what commitment means? Commitment means whether I'm happy with you, whether I like you, whether I'm attracted to you, whether whatever it is, doesn't make a difference. I am committed to you no matter, you got me annoyed, you attacked me, you criticized me, I, I feel you don't care about me, you weren't there for me. Everybody else is, I am committed. I'm not blowing gaskets. I'm not screaming. I'm not fighting. I'm not letting loose. Somebody else asked me also in the workshop, isn't it important sometimes to let loose Rabbi Greenfield once in a while? Isn't it? Can I just vent once in a while? I asked a question initially from, from several ladies in different workshops. Every workshop, I give the people ask this. What do you mean? I, I, can I just let it vent? It's better for me. I, I should vent. And I understand where the question comes from. I really do. I'm not knocking the question. I understand where the question comes from. But I'm telling you, the marker is what Hashem wants from us. What if HaKadosh Baruch would do that to us? Chas v'shalom. He would say, you know, let me just vent a little bit. I just want to vent a little bit. Like, <laughs> would we exist? Like, seriously. If we're going to connect to Hashem, we have to do what Hashem does. Hashem is Rachum v'chanon. We have to be Rachum v'chanon. Hashem lets things go. We let things go. We cannot vent and explode and say, oh, my husband knows that once in a while I lose it. No, I'm sorry. Gentlemen, I'm talking to you as well. It's not only a woman thing. Gentlemen, also you, you lose gaskets. No, it's unacceptable, period, the end. Of course, I tell the other spouse to realize that the husband has the hats on, don't take him seriously, which is true. It is true. We all have our role. Our role now, not listen to Rabbi Greenfield, come back home and say, oh, you say you shouldn't vent. Rabbi Greenfield said you shouldn't vent. That's not our role. Our role is to think about ourselves. But what I am telling you, if you are listening to this and you're the type of person who's like vents and lets things go and it's like once in a while it's like, whoa, the wave comes. No, 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 no. That's, that's unacceptable. How would you like it if your husband does that or your wife does that? It's unacceptable to vent. Venting is not, is not acceptable. What we have to do is control ourselves, not vent, and then listen to this beautiful Devar Torah. It's such an amazing Devar Torah from, from, from uh, Moshe Dova Valley. He writes like this, so what? He says, when talk about the menorah, 
the word miksha is used, miksha, like hard, hardened, right? And you want to hear something interesting? It says that what? That the menorah, Moshe Rabbeinu, did it, he, he, didn't really, he didn't know how, how am I supposed to do this menorah? It was very complicated. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him, Rashi says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him exactly how, as like an image, as, as if to say, I have the Pasuk over here. Actually, hold on. I see. Actually, I do have it here. Hold on. Let's see here. Pasuk says what? This is, I'll tell you, this is a great Mr. Haskell for our marriages. The Pasuk says, V'zeh ma'aseh ha-menorah, Oh, Moshe Rabbeinu had a very hard time built, built, uh, fashioning the menorah. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu showed him etzba, whatever that means. Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu how to make the menorah. Okay, so you think, wow, Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu how to make the menorah. Moshe Rabbeinu was working so hard. The word miksha is used. Worked so hard to make the menorah. So who made the menorah? Who made the menorah? Well, guess what? You know what the medrash says. It's machlokas, but you know what the medrash says. The Medrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu threw the gold into the fire and the finished menorah came out miraculously. You hear this? What just happened over here? That's strange. Like, if that was the case, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu just put it in the fire right away? What, what, what just happened? HaKadosh Baruch Moshe Rabbeinu is having this horrible, very hard time fashioning the menorah. Hashem shows him how to make the menorah. And what does he do? He takes the, the gold, he puts it in the fire, and out comes the menorah. Then if that's the case, then why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu just, just throw in the fire in the first place? If you don't have to make it, why go through the whole thing? And HaKadosh Baruch why is Hashem showing him? Hashem should tell him, throw in the fire. Here's the point. The point is, we have to do our hishtadlas. We have to do our hishtadlas. Ladies, gentlemen, I'm really talking more to the men over here. I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Don't hit me over the head. But I'm really talking more to the men over here. When you feel that you cannot give your wives what they need, their emotional energy to support, charging the battery, being there for them, spending time with them, you feel like, I, I don't have time. I can't. I can't right now. I'm getting a text right now. This is very important. I'm sorry. Let me finish the text first. Let me finish. Don't finish the text. Don't finish the text. This is inappropriate because you weren't supposed to be looking at text right now. You're supposed to be spending time with your wife. So don't finish the text. If she points it out to you, stop right there and then. Nothing is going to happen. Don't worry about the other person's feeling on the other line of the text. Worry more about your wife. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just being very real here. Worry more about your wife. Yeah, this goes for the ladies too. It does go for the ladies too, but I see more of a problem with the men. That what? Just just be there for your wife. Oh, but I can't. I, I'm in a rush. I, I, I know I, I, my wife asked me to do this. I'll do that later for her. Okay, I won't buy her flowers. I will buy flowers. Her birthday, anniversary, uh, this, that. I'll do it later. Guys, listen to me. It'll all work out, Bezos Hashem. It'll all, I, mean, I can't promise you here. But what I am telling you, this is what I see. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because I work with couples, Baruch Hashem, Kalish Baruch Hashem, I'm telling you that if, you are mevater, and you say, you know what? This doesn't make sense. I have to, I have to take care of this business deal. I have to take care of this. I have to take care of that. I'm telling you, I see people who are like, you know what? I'm just going to, okay, I'm messing myself up now. I'm messing myself up now. You're not messing yourself up. You hear me? You're not messing yourself up. By paying attention to your wife, being nice to your wife, stopping during the day and texting your wife or calling your wife and saying that, I'm thinking about you. I care about you. You're not messing yourself up. You're not. You're not messing yourself up. You're only bringing bracha into your house. And this we see in the menorah because you're doing your hishtadlus, even though it doesn't make sense. Like Moshe Rabbeinu, he tried to fashion the menorah. He couldn't fashion the menorah. Hashem showed him how to fashion the menorah. At the end of the day, he couldn't do it. He just threw it into the fire and it came out. But you know what? Who knows if it would have came out in the, in the first place if he wouldn't have made the hishtadlus. So in your marriage, just make your... In your sorry, not in your marriage. In your life, make the first Hishtadlus, your relationship with your spouse. That's what Hashem wants you to do, right? So if your wife's battery is uncharged, charge it, no matter what's happening. Whether your secretary is there, whether you got screamed at by your boss, whether you had a hard day in Kolel, your wife comes first. You're the, you're the nosen. She's the makabal. You're in the initiator. She's the receiver. Yes, ladies, some of you do have husbands that it works the other way around. We speak about this all the time, and I don't know we always have new listeners, Baruch Hashem. And some of you have husbands that they need a boost. You have to take the cables and boost their battery, and then they can give you. That happens sometimes. That happens sometimes. But in general, I'm saying, I'm saying, take a look at this week's parsha. What did Moshe have to do? He had to first 
try to make the menorah. He couldn't make the menorah. Hashem tried to show him how to make the menorah, Rashi says. Then the Medrash says he threw it in the fire. But it was through this hishtadlus, through the mixture, through the hardness, that's how, that's how we grow. Okay, so now, uh, yeah, so the question is, I just want to get back to what we spoke about before. And that is like, there's so much to talk about, Mary. Isn't that crazy? It's like, talk, talking, I want to talk about certain things, and it's just, there's so much to talk about marriage. So much to talk about marriage. Okay, like this. Ladies and gentlemen, we spoke about sometimes knowing how to keep quiet. I want to give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about, about sometimes keeping quiet. I, okay, we're going to try to work both husbands and wives who are listening to me. Number one, number one, sometimes your wife, okay, I'm talking to the men now, it works both ways, but gentlemen, sometimes your wife will say something that's completely off base. Did that, guys, did that ever happen to you? You listening to me? Did that ever happen to you? When your wife says something which is so off base, you're like, is she serious? What is she talking about? I have men telling me this all the time. My wife, she's like, I don't know, like, I thought I married a smart woman, but I, I don't know, men telling me this. <laughs> Maybe they're not understanding what the wife really means, but the point of the matter is, the men tell me, well, what, what just, she's talking about politics, or she knows what she's talking about, on the Shabbos table, she's telling me this, that, the other thing about, that happened, she's talking about uh, the Shiddah Christ, whatever she's talking about, she's, what is she talking about? I don't know what she's talking about. That's not, that's not what, what are you saying? It's not true. What are you saying? Okay. You know what, gentlemen? What are you saying? What are you saying? You, you want to prove to her that she's wrong? You want to make a point? It's whoever is right wins the game. It's not a game. Marriage is not a game. It's not a game. If you think it's a game, then you know maybe you should stop playing. <laughs> marriage is not a game. Marriage is about being mavater. Marriage is about being selfless. Marriage is about controlling our mouths. I'm talking to myself as well. It's about controlling our mouths and not saying. Not about saying. It's about not saying. And I'm talking about when you feel attacked or criticized. Oh, that's right. That's number one. Or actually, right now I'm talking about when your wife says something that's so off base. Ladies, I know some of you are listening to me right now and thinking, actually, Rabbi Greenfield, this happens with my husband. My husband sometimes on the Shabbos says, table says things that are so off base, so inappropriate, so whatever it is. The magic in marriage is knowing to keep quiet, not saying anything. But Rabbi Greenfield, he, he's going to keep on doing it. All that's true, but not now. Not now. Now's not the time, especially not in front of the children especially now, ladies, gentlemen, your kids are home now. They're all going to be home now. You have to be very, very careful, very, very careful about your communication. If they're going to carry negative vibes or criticism or attacking and your children are going to be exposed to it, I'm telling you, it's going to affect them negatively. Remember I said this. It's not me. It's, you know, it's going to affect them negatively. So please, if you have something to say, first wait, wait. Wait, like that person with the cleaners. He waited. He didn't say anything. He's like, oh, I'm going to give it to my wife, but not now. But not now. I'm going to give it to her later. And then he was able to be Mavata. So that's, it's just, it's advice. Techno, your wife asked you to, to get something. Okay, we did this. Your wife is contradicting what you just told the kids. <laughs> I know it works both ways. It does work both ways. That what? That your husband or your wife is contradicting. You, you tell the kids one thing, and then your husband tells the kids the other thing. Or, gentlemen, you tell the, your kids one thing, you tell them stay by the Shabbos table, and your wife says, oh, whatever you want. Like, what just happened? What just happened? You, you're contradicting me. Shifra, Rachel, Miriam, I just told them to stay on the table. Why are you telling them to leave the table? I told them to stay. Is, is this what's going on in your house? Seriously, is this what's going on in your house in front of the children? Achenvei, that's what I have to say, Achenvei, please, please. We have to control, control ourselves not to say anything. This is going to happen to you, by the way. That's why Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch is mizakami to, to, to speak to you. That what? I, say, I see this. I see this when I work with couples. I hear, you know, like patterns. You hear the same thing over and over. Like you know, Couples start talking to me. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what goes on in your house. Not because I'm a navi, because I hear it all the time. And it's going to happen to you in your house also. You have to know to control yourself. If your husband's contradicting your way of chinuch, if your wife's contradicting your way of chinuch, we have to control ourselves and not say anything right now. Is it going to become a pattern? Then there are ways to negotiate. It's not for this class. But you know what? Right now, don't say anything. Because you're going to completely kill your, emo your kid's emotion by, by contradicting your husband and getting into a fight. And who wins? Okay, who wins? Nobody wins at the end of the day. Your husband is letting the kids do something that you would never allow. Your husband is taking forever to come back from shul. Big complaint I get from a lot of women. 
A lot of women, I get this complaint. Their husband's taking forever to come from shul. Meanwhile, other people are hungry. We have guests. Why are you taking so long to come from shul? Okay, it's a conversation you have to have, but not right when he comes home. Not right when he, when he comes home. Right when he comes home, you get into a fight. Is that what you want to do? No. Your children have to be exposed to it. Chas v'shalom. These are areas where we have to know just to keep quiet. And like that individual said, you know what he said? What he said to us, sorry, said to me. He said to me, he said to me, I came with this Einfall, and I want to share this Rabbi Greenfield, and that is, you keep quiet during davening, there'll be a schus for you to keep quiet in your marriage. When? When your wife says something that, that, that you feel is off base, when you feel criticized, when your wife is telling the kids to do something that contradicts you, just keep quiet. You'll deal with it later, because if you deal with it now, number one, your kids are going to be affected negatively. Number two, I, I can almost guarantee you, I don't know why I say the word almost, it's pretty much, you know, but I, I'll say almost. I can almost guarantee you no one's going to win the fight. You hear me? No one's going to win the fight, number, number two. And number three, I can tell you that you're only going to cause distance and hurt. You hear me? Distance from your wife, and you're going to hurt her feelings. Almost guaranteed. I should say guaranteed, but I don't like saying absolutes. That what? You're going to cause it away. Because you're going to say it in the wrong way. Because you're upset right now. You have your hats on, and you're going to say it in the meaning way. And what you're basically saying to your wife is, you know, you're a bad person. You're a bad person. That's what you're basically saying. I know, gentlemen, you're listening to me, and you're saying, I don't, I'm not really saying that. I'm just upset at what she's doing. I'm not, I'm not saying she's bad. And she, why is she so sensitive? Well, that's what she's hearing. What she's hearing from you is that, is that she's bad. That's, that's human psychology. When we hear criticism, we feel it's a knock to our self-esteem, and automatically we feel like there's something wrong with us. So either we stonewall or we, or we defend and criticize back, and then it becomes a tit-for-tat, and then it becomes outrageous. It becomes completely outrageous. And who suffers the most? Whichever children are around, other people that are around. Okay, so that's that. And that's why it's so important as far as when it comes to our marriages, you're going to be tested, you're going to be tested, and you're going to be tested. And get ready to keep quiet. When you're tested, get ready to keep quiet. Sometimes you have to get ready to talk. Like, for example, if you're not connecting with your wife, if your wife is saying something to you or talking to you, not just to grump and say, oh, yeah, okay, so you had a hard day? Wow, I'm so sorry for you. Wow, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry you had a hard day. And by the way, this works both ways. There are women who act like this to their husbands as well. Oh, you had a hard day? Oh, okay. I, I, by the way, do you know where I was looking for the ice cubes? Do you know where the ice cubes Like Your wife is talking to you. Hello. She's telling you about her day. Hello. Why, why are you talking about ice cubes now? She's talking about her day. You're talking about ice cubes? But I'm thirsty. Okay, so why don't you control yourself? For the next five minutes and say to yourself, you know what, this is very hard. I'm really, really thirsty. I want I want to drink. I don't want to hear her right now. I want to drink. What does Hashem want? Oh, Hashem wants me. Okay, let me okay, I'm gonna work very hard to listen to my wife. Okay, I'm gonna work. So wow, you just became a giant. Over the past 10 seconds, you just became a giant. Like that. Boom. Boom. Now you're like high, high elevation. Your fire is just like lit up really, really high. Really high. They're menorahs. Lit up. It's lit up because you're facing Hashem right now. Because you control yourself. Wow. Wow, welcome to Olam Hazeh. <laughs> Seriously, this is what it is. You know, it's, of course, easier said than done. I'm talking about this. I'm not saying it's not a science, science for everybody. I'm not saying I pass all the time. What we're saying basically is that this is the Nisayon. This is the Nisayon. The Nisayon is to remember, okay, I'm going to control myself right now. But in the morning, when you wake up and you just saw your wife, so that's a time to talk. And to turn to your wife and to say to her, good morning, how did you sleep? And she to turn to you and say, Baruch Hashem, how did you sleep? Wow, you just connected. You just connected with your wife. You just started the Devekis process, the mitzvah of al of Ish, Vedavak Ishdo. You just did it. You just connected with your wife. And now, mitzvah Guerrero's mitzvah. How are you? Can I get you something? Oh, you look so nice. Um, you want me to make you breath? Whatever it is, whatever it is. And there's just one thing leads to the other. Now you're connecting. You have a day of connection. So tomorrow, you might be hearing this on Monday night. You might be hearing this on Monday night, which comes out, I'm just, yeah, comes out to June 27th. You might be hearing this on Monday night, not on, not on Thursday morning. You might be hearing this at, tomorrow morning. You have an opportunity. If, or Friday morning, you have an opportunity to wake up and to say to your wife, how did you sleep? Are you all doing this? Are you, are you doing this? Seriously, are you waking up and asking your wife how you slept? Are you asking your husband how he slept? Why don't you, why don't you start that day like that? Why, why can't you? Why do we have to be so grumpy in the morning? My wife's not around. Oh, your wife's not around. Give her, give her, she left. Okay, call her. How are you? Did you sleep well? 
I care, I care about you. That question is saying, I care about you. That's what that question is saying. To say to your wife, where's the ice when she's talking about her day? That's saying, I don't care about you. You see, there's different connotations. One thing is saying one thing. One thing is saying, it's, it's what's not said that's more powerful than what is said. Am I making sense? It's what not said is more powerful than what is said. That's what I'm saying. And throughout the day, positive. I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate. And to say more and more and more of what you appreciate. We just had a get-together with, with whatever. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> okay. We had a get-together. And, um, and what? We had this get-together. And the bunch of people, and we didn't even know how to start the conversation. It was very strange. I'm telling you, this actually happened. We just get together, and we could not start the conversation because it was an awkward situation, whatever it is. I'm not going to get into it. And you know what we decided to do? We're just going to appreciate everybody. Everybody's going to appreciate each other. And it was unbelievable. It was just an unbelievable experience. People appreciate when you appreciate each other automatically it creates connection. Thank you for taking out the garbage. Thank you for doing the laundry. Thank you for learning with the kids. Thank you for making the bed. Thank you for making a delicious dinner. Oh, and that everybody says, right? The dinner, everybody knows how to talk. But what about everything else? What about the laundry? What about making the bed? What about, thank you for working hard for the family. It works both ways, both men and women. Appreciation is no like, you know, oh, men have to appreciate more, women have to appreciate more. We all have to appreciate. A karsatov is prime. A karsatov is very, 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 very important. Um, so it's important sometimes to talk. I saw, I saw, I don't have time for this. Wow, what time is it now here? Okay. I saw a, a fascinating study. It was, I, I want to share this with you, you know. It's called The Science of a Happy Marriage. What did they do? Listen to this. I'm going to try to read this, you know. It was an unusual brain imaging study published recently in Human Brain Mapping. Is okay, so it was I think it was in 2015. Okay, look at this. Showing that the relationship satisfaction of long-time married elderly women is particularly related to the neural activity they show in response to their husband's displays of positive emotions rather than negative emotions. So what do they do? I I I'm gonna paraphrase a few so you don't, whatever. You know what they did? They actually took women elderly women who have been married for an average of 40 years. In today's world, that's actually a pretty big feat. 40 years married. And what they did was they showed them videos. You know, with silent videos, you can't hear what the people are saying. And they showed them a, a video of their husbands and a video of strangers. And what they did, they labeled the video, like they said, okay, your husband is now talking about your husband's now talking about a very sad occurrence, something very sad that happened in the relationship. It was very, something very sad. And not in the relationship, something that's very sad. And all of a sudden you see that their husbands, they see, they see the video, and the husband seems to be very happy. He's like very giddy and very happy and like laughing. And she's like, what? This doesn't match. And then they show her strangers. A stranger is supposed, to be, is supposed to be very sad. And instead, the silent video of the stranger shows that the stranger is very happy. And they've, they've connected all these wires to, the, to, to, to these people to see different images. And what they saw was, very interesting, that, that the fact that there were these paradoxical um, results, meaning it was, just didn't make sense. They're supposed to be, they were supposed to be sad. Why are they happy? When it came to the stranger, the ladies didn't really care about it. It was okay. And I don't say care about it. You could see different parts of the brain show up. But it came to their husbands. It really bothered them. Like, you're supposed to be sad, why are you happy? Or the other way around, you're supposed to be happy. Why are you sad? And through doing a whole series of these, of these studies, it came out that what? That they've shown empirical evidence that it's, it's crucial when your spouse comes in a certain mood to try to connect to their mood despite the fact that you don't get it. So many times, you, gentlemen, you see your wife are like in a very happy mood. Why are you so happy? You know, they're in a happy mood. They're in a happy mood. You might not understand it, but they're happy. You can say, I'm so happy for you. Wow, this is great. I'm so good. And not to be spaced out somewhere and like be in a different world. This works both ways, both for men and for women. Not to be like in, in a different world, but what we're saying here, one second over here, getting to the end of the show, to make sure how much time I have over here. What we're basically saying is that connect, connect emotionally to your wife. 
Connect emotionally to your husband. If they're in a good mood, try to connect to their good mood. If they're in a bad mood, wow, I feel too terrible. Well, I don't get it. Okay, maybe I don't get it. Maybe I don't understand why you're so upset about this business deal. Maybe I don't understand the, the, the wife will feel to her husband or the husband will feel to her. Maybe I don't understand why you're so upset you got into a fight with your sister. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. Just ignore her. Like, seriously. Like, seriously. Just ignore her. Why are, you, why are you getting so upset? You know what? Who cares? She's getting upset. Connect to her emotionally. It is good. It's scientifically proven. We know this, obviously, but it's just nice to see it in science. That what? Scientifically proven. It'll help your marriage. It will enhance your marriage. It's very, very, very important to connect to moods. Okay, before I go, a couple of important announcements. A couple of things. First of all, okay, first of all, J Root Radio, okay, the asking us, okay, it's very important. Thinking of possibly making a Shabbos Nachum get together for J Root Radio with all the hosts or hosts and making a get together like a Shabbos. Those of you who might be interested type of thing, because they want to see if people are actually going to be interested in this, that is, um, you can text 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. So that's number one. Number two, I'll tell you this. There's a man who was recently nifter. A very special man. Very, very special man. Is, 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 you know, family to me through marriage. And I can tell you this man was always happy. This man never spoke a word of Lashon Hara. He has such simcha in his life, such an amazing person. He was just nifter a couple of days ago to the age of 100. He was 100 years old. 100 years old. Now, you can imagine he's an older person and the children are sitting shiva and I was there in the shiva house and whatnot. And I want to tell you, I think it would be a very big mitzvah to visit them. It'd be a very, very big mistake. I'm not going to give you the address on, on, on the phone, but I could tell you it's around Avenue P and East 18th Street. It's a very big mistake to them. First of all, just them, because you know you can imagine older people, people are not visiting, and they do have. We're trying to arrange a meeting. They're also over there for them. Shachris at 8:30, and and Mincha Meyer that's at uh, at 8:15 at night. But it's a very big mistake. Two reasons. First of all, it's a mistake to visit them. But number two, get to learn about a man who lived for a hundred years old. How did he survive for a hundred years? What were his chosim? What did he do? And I know this person. I'm telling you, if you live in the area, it's worth it, worth it, worth it to pay a shiva call or to come for the minyanim. I'm not going to say the address on the air. That I will not do because we don't know who's listening. But definitely, definitely, definitely text me if you're interested. You live around Avenue P and East 18th and you want to come visit them. He was just nifter two days ago and I'm telling you it's a mitzvah to go to the shiva house because you can imagine older people, whatever it is. They don't know, they don't know a lot of people. You can text me if you're interested. 917-397-2841. That's 917-397-2841. And you can text the studio. Those of you who are interested in Shabbos Nachum, they want to make something. I think it's a beautiful idea. 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. For those of you who are interested in a Shabbos Nachum, a beautiful Shabbos Nachum, and for the interested in the Shiva or the Minyanim, you can text me. 917-397-2841. 917-397-2841. Have an amazing, amazing, and inspiring week. And a connecting week, just like the Menaya Kultuf. Have a wonderful week.